Welcome, I'm Amy Kelly, also known as the Ish Girl. What's an Ish Girl? She's someone who has humorous grace with herself after discovering she's messed up or flaked out again. Something that comes in handy if you're working with or raising middle schoolers. A former middle school teacher and mom to two teens of my own, I know the hair pulling, heart filling, crazy making, and joy filled experiences that come with teens. I created the In the Middle of It podcast for teachers and parents just like you who want to support and impact the teens in your life. Each week, I'll be sharing stories and strategies to encourage and equip you so that you can truly become the grown up your teens remember, a meaningful mentor who helped them find their way. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so happy that you're joining me today. Now we are about to jump into the second half of a discussion that I had with my good friend, Tammy Scow. The first half is in the previous episode, so if you haven't listened to that yet, you'll probably want to hit pause on this episode and go back and check that out first, because this episode will make a lot more sense if you can do that. Now, in the first half of our talk, we we're discussing what is developmentally appropriate, what that really means and how it applies to our teens. And Tammy shared a few tasks that teens need to do in order to become whole adults. Now today she's gonna talk about one more of those tasks and then we're transitioning to talk about some different ways to respond to your teens rather than to react to them in the moment, especially in those moments when they are behaving in very developmentally appropriate ways, right? Now, in case you missed it, Tammy is a licensed professional counselor at Planting Seeds Counseling and Coaching in Frisco, Texas, and she really knows her stuff, guys, and I am so grateful that she has shared her wisdom with me and that she's sharing it with you. So without further ado, here is the second half of my conversation with Tammy Scow. So it's important, I think, for parents to know that, that your measure of success is not their immediate response. I love that. It's did you create space for them to grow towards something more healthy? cannot give space if you're condemning, shutting down, invalidating. You cannot give space when you are condemning, shutting down, or invalidating. Yep. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I think that kind of leads us into the next one that you have. Right. So why don't you so, share that? So another one, another task that is developmentally appropriate for kids to go through during their teen years, but very unpleasant for the adult parent, mm. right, is it is developmentally appropriate for them to question their morals and beliefs that they were raised with. Right. So I think I can hear like on paper, it sounds like, oh, this is good for you to question it if it's just an intellectual questioning. But what I think I hear you saying is sometimes it's an choice. It's an action based (laughs) questioning. So let's talk about that. (laughs) This could show up in like religious beliefs, but it could show up in I don't think juuling is a bad thing. I know you've been telling me don't smoke, don't put harmful substances in your body, but my friends are doing it. So far, they're not dying. I don't think juuling is a bad thing. Right, right. And so it could come up in the choices that they make, not necessarily always their beliefs. Well, and I, I I personally can attest to that because I can remember making some pretty bad choices and having been told that they were horrible and awful and 
crazy, awful things would happen to you if you do X, Y, and Z. And when I tried X, Y, and Z, that because didn't of happen. course, no, <laughs> none of those consequences happened. Therefore, right. surely they weren't right about all of this, That's which was correct. not true in the, in the end, in the long run. But yeah, like that whole, like if you don't have that immediate consequence of something that you've been taught, you know, I think it's easy to ignore it. It is. And I think it's not true. Or, you know, things like smoking. So uh, my kids' grandmother died of lung cancer at 52. Right? She started smoking at 16. Yikes. Right? So if I was to tell my kids, you know, look, she died of lung cancer at 52. 52 seems ancient to them. They don't really care. But you know what? That's really close to my age. I, I really know. care about 52. I was just thinking about spitting distance for me, right? <laughs> yes. And so eventually they're going to really care about their health at 52, but it's developmentally appropriate for them not to necessarily think about those long-term implications, right? right? And so they are making choices based on short-term goals, not long-term. They are questioning, you know, do you really know what you're talking about? Or have you tried to fear me into my decisions? Right. And so they're really starting to push back on what do I believe? So I think in all of this, I'm going to shift this focus just a little bit. I think in all of this, thinking about what our own beliefs are, thinking about what our own experiences were growing up. If you're not aware of these things that are developmentally appropriate, that pretty much means you probably weren't parented in this way where there's this background knowledge of the developmentally appropriate things. So this isn't just about how you're parenting your own teens, this is about kind of maybe going back and doing a lot of internal work for yourself so that you can figure out, okay, how can I be healthy and good and what are the loving, words? Loving, healthy. How can right. I, yeah. How can I be loving, good and healthy in the, in this situation to myself so that therefore I can give it to my teen? Because I think I can't give my teen anything I don't have right. myself. You right? can't give your teen anything you don't have and you can't go back to your teen years and give yourself what you didn't, but you can kind of do some of that now. Right. If you aren't aware of why you believe what you believe, yes, it's going to be really hard for you to walk with your kid as they discover what they really believe. Well, and that's kind of where I was headed with this. Like you have to decide, you know, am I, do I believe this because I'm fearful of something or because there's a solid reason? Because your kids are going to ask if there's a solid reason. But then on the flip side, I think it's also okay to say, you know, I don't know. Let's look at that together. I know this is how I feel and what I believe, but I'm willing to explore it with you. Right. Here's my experiences. Here's what right. I know. What are you hearing? What are what's important to you? What's important to your right. friends? What, how do you, you know, how do you look at that, whatever that is, right, in relation to all these other things, right? right? So and how do you look them. at that and knowing that okay, if if that's what you think and you believe, right now when you're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, whatever. What is that living out that belief going to look like in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years when you're 52, you know, right? right? So helping them see the long term. Right. Right. It's easier for parents if they say, okay, it's developmentally appropriate for my kids to like maybe um, question our religious beliefs. Right. right? If I knew that eventually they're going to come back around to mine. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Right. 
And so what makes it so hard is there's no guarantee they're going to eventually come back around to what you believe. But regardless, they've got to become adults who adopt their own belief systems and don't just automatically accept somebody else's. Absolutely. Right? Yes. They have got to come into their own ideas and beliefs. And that's scary for parents. I get that. It, you know, it could look like a prodigal son moment for a while before they come around. Or, or you know what? God gives them freedom. They have the free will to not believe that which you want them to. But if they're going to have a faith or a way of living that's going to sustain time and that is going to sustain um, adversarial comments or remarks or people who believe differently, they're going to have to take the time to do their own work. Right. I would love to just download belief software to my kids. Like I, so listen, I'm, I'm commiserating, you know, with the audience. I would, you know, I wish I could just go, you know, here. But you know, like I hear but, you say that and, and maybe for some things I would, but I also feel like, no, I want them to have their own faith. I want them to experience things. I want them to experience God. I want them right. to experience having to trust and to step out in faith. And I want them to experience those moments where it's undeniably God stepping in right. and his fingerprints in their in their lives. Like, that's what I want. Absolutely. And so that means stepping out in faith with your kids. Like, I think that's in this moment, like, that's why it's especially hard in this moment because they're questioning all of that. Right. And so and so it's messy yes. before they land somewhere. Right. They're going to adopt some beliefs you don't agree with. Right. Before they adopt something healthier, they're going to try some things out. Now, don't again, like I'm not I'm not authorizing kids go experiment with drugs. No, you're experiment. not. Yeah, like, you're I'm not, not advocating any no, no, of no, that. I right. get that. And, I and, get that. And it doesn't mean that all kids are going to go to the farthest thing. You know, kind of how it manifests for them will be different from kid to kid. But to some, it's good for them to have to go through this process and to have to decide for themselves what they're going to do, what they're going to believe, what guides their life. Right. It's the only way they're really a, a full human as an adult. Right. Yes. Okay. So some tools that I think that helps parents navigate the conversations that go around all of this. Okay. Yeah. Right? That's what I wanted to jump into. Like, because... Um, I am going to kind of give a little hint. We do have an amazing resource that we're going to talk about in a second, but there's some language that I really think it's important that we address because I think we kind of throw these words around not knowing, you know, necessarily exactly what they mean or, or what they, they look, what they look like and all that. So, so jump into that. Okay. So the, one of the words that really, and I think I probably have used it a couple of times, it's, it's used in the resources is the word validate right? We think we know that word, but sometimes figuring out what that looks like in a conversation that you don't agree with, right? I mean, right. It's not just about parking. (laughs) (laughs) Parking validation. Right. Right. So, you know, it wouldn't even be a question of am I validating what's going on for you or what you're saying if I agree with it. So we're going to go worst case. Okay. So this is when you're like, what is going on and how could you think that way, right? right? Those times when you just want to shake some of your truth into them, right? right? 
that's your signal that you really need to validate. Okay. So you've got to know what that looks like when it's hard. Okay. Right? So validating is, it's not agreeing with. So your kids do not need you telling them, oh yeah, that really awful idea is right or true or good. Right. They don't need that. They need a compass that helps keep pointing them towards something healthy. Okay. So it's not, validating is not agreeing with them. Okay. It's accepting them. Okay. Even in their most messy or ridiculous or harmful state. So not looking at them with a horrified expression would be one way to validate. Yeah. That would be the first step. (laughs) In fact, there's a lot of body language that, you know, that can be validating or invalidating. Okay. Right. So me being physically present with you. Right. If I'm in the room with you in your most messy, chaotic thing, it sends a validation of who you are with me. If I send you to your room or I walk away from you, it can be a very invalidating thing. Now, I don't know. I'm not saying that there aren't times to say maybe you need to go think about that for a second. But you do not want that at the beginning of the conversation. It's saying that whatever's happening for you is too much for me or too awful or too something. So sometimes physical presence can be the most validating thing. Okay, well, I actually have a question about that. Because sometimes I do get so physically overwhelmed like I I know that anything that comes out of my mouth is going to be reacting versus responding so in that moment like communicating that and saying I need time to process this right. and I'll I be would, back and I'll be back or I'm really here want... for you so it's your language around doing you're that. too important to me to not to finish. just lash out yeah so I better go figure out you know how to be more helpful to you right because what wants to come out of my mouth isn't going to be good right so yes it would be better to remove yourself than to lash out in a whole bunch of junk that's going to be right. damaging right but there's some other tools that you might use so one of the things that can help calm you down if you're emotionally reactive is to sit crisscross on the floor Crisscross on the floor is a very grounding move to do. Okay. So if you think of your fight or flight, which is what it feels like when you get triggered, when you go crisscross on the floor, your body's small so you can't fight. Okay. Your body's kind of stuck so you can't quickly run. Your brain starts to calm down. So maybe one of the things you could do is sit crisscross on the floor and go, baby girl, come sit by me. I love that. Right? And now you're giving yourself permission to calm down. You're giving them a chance to calm down. Right? You're still present, but you're able to be present in a calming way rather than an escalating way. Okay. Because you're absolutely right. You don't want to escalate the situation if you're emotionally reactive. Right. Is that... But it's not necessarily the go-to or the best or the, you know, right? So it does send a message to the kid, I can't take you. You're too much for me. <laughs> Which is sometimes feels it, very true. It, it sometimes is true. Not feels very true. Sometimes it is true. But it does send that I can't accept right. you. It's not connecting. I, yes. I can only be with you when you're cleaned up. Oof. Ouch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So what are some other validating so, things? So some other validating things. So is to um, reflect back understanding. Okay. Right. So we want to correct. There may be time for correction. It needs to happen at the end. At the end. Okay. Right. So you've got to con- you've got to really hear them and know what it means from them. So what I hear you saying is, yes. this is kind of the language that you use. So I hear you saying blah, 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 or I can tell that you really feel strongly about blah, yes. blah, blah, or whatever. Right. And yeah. if you don't get it, right, 
then I help me understand what's going on. That's the one you used earlier, right? right. Like, I don't get this. <laughs> this right. is like, right? Yeah. But if, if you go, I don't get this, that's invalidating. Right. If you go, you know, help me understand, right? That's saying, look, I don't, I can't, I don't know because I'm not you. Right. But I want to know. I want to know. know. I wanna know. Right? Now you yeah. can hear the tone in my voice. It's not, help me understand what's going on with you. <laughs> right? It's, hey, help me understand. Yeah, help me understand. Here. Like, I want to get it. I could yeah. see you're upset. And tone is important. Tone is important, yeah. right? So it's being present. It's reflecting back what you hear them saying. It's asking questions to make sure you understand their perspective. It's what it means to them, right? They need to know that you get what it's like to be them, that you get what this situation means to be them, that you get how hard it is for them. Okay. Now, I know you've got your big grown-up problems, and so, right? <laughs> you think that's bad? Yeah. <laughs> that's probably not a validating response. No, <laughs> right? Wait till you get to be an adult, and now or, you have all this, right? Or when I was a kid, I, you know... I had to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Now, some of a little bit of some of that may have a place at the end if they're continuing to dialogue with you, Mm -hmm. right? But they won't hear any of that if you don't validate what it's like to be them first. Right. I I get it. This is tough for you. I I could see you're really upset. Help me understand more. How did your friend respond to that? What, you know, what happened when? How did you feel when? Well, and I think something that you've shared, I don't, I don't know that we have it anywhere written down here today. Um, but I want to say that you said something along the lines of validation affects your limbic system. Like it calms your limbic system. So it actually has a physical effect on your body, right. which is just fascinating. Right. So what, like, one of the things we said is they tend to be very emotionally reactive. So if they are emotionally reactive and you invalidate them, you're increasing, you're escalating right. that stew of unpleasant emotions, right. right? If you validate them, their brain goes, oh, you get what it's like to be me. Right. And now I can calm, out, calm down. I don't have to fight you anymore. You're not against me anymore. Right. right? You're not my enemy in the room with me where my fight or flight is triggered, you're my partner and my advisor and my coach. Right. Right? You're my... There's an, uh, well, they might not think that. No, no, no. They, <laughs> trust me, they won't. But their brain recognizes some of that. But their brain sees it. They, right? they understand There's a, a term called attachment figure. An attachment figure is a caregiver who's safe. Okay. Right. So when you're validating them, you become that stable, safe, nurturing caregiver that they can come to when they're distressed. Now, they're teenagers, so let's just be honest. They're not going to come to you. They're going to go to their friends. Right, Right. But you at least don't look like the enemy anymore. Right. That Right. You have an appearance of a stabilizing, reassuring, validating, accepting, loving force rather than the enemy who thinks different than me, wants different than me, doesn't like what I'm doing. Is so, right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So validating is, you know, you do it with your body language. You do it with understanding their perspective, finding something about it. So they may say something that you believe is really, really ridiculous. And I don't want you to say that it's not ridiculous if you think it is ridiculous. But you might be able to say, you know, I can see why you would see it that way. Or, you know, it makes sense that, that, that you know, that he or she or it would be really important to you. Does that make sense? So you're, yeah. you're you using words that say I get it and and you're not stupid or ridiculous 
if something needs to be corrected, there's it's going to happen, but it's going to happen later. later They've got to know that you care about it like they care about it before they want to hear anything that you have to say. Right. Well, and one th- other thing I would say with validating is I think so often if you don't give them something to fight against, right? Mm-hmm. So if they are not busy, and I think you kind of said this before, if they're not busy trying to defend whatever it is that's going on with them because you're, you know, you're questioning or you're shooting them or right. you know those kinds of things, then that gives them the space, like you were talking yes. about before, it gives them the space to really evaluate what what it is, what they're feeling, just all the things that are right. wrapped around whatever the situation and is. And if you think about, so their peers become more important, you know that that keeps getting reinforced because peers happen to be very validating. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think about it. I mean, oh, really. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They happen to be, I get what it's like to be you because I'm at school doing the same thing you're doing, right? And no matter how messed up you are, I'm still going to accept you. So, hey, you want to go jewel or you want to be sexually promiscuous or you want to drink. And your peer group, you're still going to find peers that will do that with you and will accept you into their group. Right. Right. Parents, though, are like, whoa, 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 wait, no, no, no. And so it's no wonder they have a hard time coming to their parents because their parents want to invalidate everything they're afraid of rather than finding a way to validate the person right, and guide them to better ideas, better choices, better behavior. Right. I'm even thinking of like the 13 Reasons Why series. And that's something that I had talked about with a friend too, just how there's no intergenerational help there. It's yes. all the kids helping the kids. So collectively, they only have the wisdom of 17 year olds at the most, right? So right. so what what does that look like in real life? And how can you make that different? And, and I think just looking at all of the adults in that show and how they disappoint and they don't get and they throw up um just roadblocks any kind of communication yeah how they throw up yeah they throw up roadblocks to communication they throw up roadblocks to solutions in a lot of ways like they're just very inept in the way they're portrayed so really not only are you we as parents like trying to get around that whole developmentally appropriate idea of them accepting peers advice versus yours you have it in the media too. Like that's it's you're kind of going against the flow with that as well. Right. Which I actually think is a good thing in that if you respond differently than what they expect, that's going to open more doors. Right. That's right. right. Yeah. Right. Okay. In fact, you can see teachers. So when you think of the teachers that the kids will really go in and get advice from, uh huh. They're the teachers who um, know the kid, mm-hmm. can see what makes that kid wonderful. Yes. In spite of whatever the grades might be or anything else, right? Accepts the kid, sees the kid as valuable and wonderful. Respects them. Respects them, is available to them, right? That Those are all very validating kind of things. And so kids will go to those teachers and go, oh, my, my boyfriend's, you know, being a jerk. Or, you know, my friend was talking about me and it hurt my feelings. Right. And so it's hard parents because our our self-concept is interwoven with their behavior that's not a good thing necessarily but it not at happens all. Yeah. to be a factor yeah it is right it's harder for us to respond because we're afraid of what's going to happen to them what does this mean what are they going to do and we're wrapped in our own parental shame or or what should i do or you know those feelings or of what does this say about me right yes. like what does this say about me if my kid is doing this which is 
probably the very last thing if you right. either you're gonna should that you should here yes. I'm using the should word but that's the it's last not gonna thing be helpful yeah it's not gonna be helpful right. at all in and, any situation and so a teacher or an aunt or a Sunday school teacher they're usually emotionally removed from right. the kids behavior and so that's why they can be more validating right, right. which we is can, a but yeah. parents can still embody some of that. Right. And that whole having those mentors, that's a whole nother episode, I think, sure. for another day. Okay, so, so if, if that's all validating stuff, what is invalidating? Okay. Like, what does that look so like? So invalidating is blaming. Okay. Blaming the kid for something or blaming somebody else for the kid's actions. Doesn't help. Blaming, minimizing, rejecting, ignoring, judging, correcting, right? Those are all things that come out of our mouth so easily. Right. If you had done this, then you wouldn't have that problem. That's not that big of a deal. Get over it. Walk away. Don't, you know what, if your friend's going to be like that, just don't be her friend anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Those kind of things are not helpful in helping them work through the emotional impacts of whatever's going on. Right. Now, I noticed that you tacked correcting onto the end of that. Mm -hmm. And so what I think from what you've said before, what I think you're saying is in the immediate moment when you're going through it. So this is kind of at the beginning of the conversation and you're working towards being connected and validating. And then you have the redirecting, the correcting. Then you have that conversation because you're both in a place where you can do that. And it could come immediately after. So if you can feel that they're working with you and dialoguing and the conversation's going well, right, and that their brain is open, mm-hmm. you've created the space for them to be able to hear it. It might happen in the same conversation. I would tell you to prepare for that to not be the case, <laughs> right? And so this this correcting or redirecting may happen at a later date. You know, hey, I was thinking about right. what would it have been like if you had said this instead of that? Mm-hmm. Now the emotions have settled down. They're a little bit removed. They could take a more reflective look at what you're suggesting. Right. Right. Um, correcting because they're pushing away from your advice and they're looking to adopt their own. Using open-ended questions for your correcting is the most likely way that they're going to hear and be able to adopt for themselves. Okay. Right? So, you know, what kept you from saying this to your teacher or this to your friend? Right? I'm not saying, anytime I say you should have said or you should go do, try to put it into a what would it be like if you did? Or what kept you from? What would have happened if you had this? What kept you from this, right? That allows them to look at it and go, hmm, can I do that? And the next time now they're growing to be adults who can. Right. Right. And and even even if they don't want to hear your voice in their head asking (laughs) those questions, I think that's going to be one of those things where they'll hear it in their heads just the same way we've heard our parents' voices in our heads. Right. right. Now, and you, you'd like to think that your voice is going to be a good one, not the ones oh, that haunt you. Please, take, Lord. Yes. <laughs> if you say, you should have said this, uh-huh. they're going to feel shamed, mm-hmm. stupid, small, like they made a bad choice, and that doesn't help them then do that the next time. The next time. It shuts their brain right off from from really um, integrating that information in them. Okay. If you say, what kept you from, now their brain is doing the work. What would that look like? What if I did? How would you respond? And now they're doing the work, which means they're more likely to act it out later. Later on. Well, and yeah, I totally get that. And I also think, though, 
some of your body language can be super invalidating, right? Yes. Like, I think we've talked about that a little bit. So we talk about teens rolling their eyes. Oh, yeah, I roll Sometimes mine Sometimes parents bad. roll their eyes, right? <laughs> bad. <laughs> Arms crossed, a tapping foot or pacing, right? Being on your phone. Being on your phone yes. or doing dishes or the other tasks. Those things are all saying that what's going on for you isn't, isn't important to me. Yeah. Right? Okay. Sometimes even ignoring it, I shall get over it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So that's invalidating. So is there anything else, Tammy, that you want to say about or that about things that are developmentally appropriate or how it's helpful or or responses or anything about this that you feel like you want to make sure? What's the one thing you want to make sure that parents walk away from with this? You know, it's probably this idea that when your kids are doing these things that are not okay, they're not what you raised them to do. Mm -hmm. This is not what you're hoping for as a healthy adult in their future. Um, To know that fear won't help you. Okay. Right? Fear's going to exacerbate the situation, not help you take journey with them towards a better path. Okay. Right? To shame yourself is going to make you either shut down or become more emotionally reactive. This really, much of this isn't about you and much of it's not about your parenting. Much of it is the process that they need to go through. So shaming yourself, even though you've made mistakes because you're human, you have. Trust me, Mm -hmm. we all have. But it won't help you journey with them through this process, right? Attacking their character or shaming them won't help them emerge into an adult. So they may do behavior that is unmotivated a lot of times. To call them lazy Mm -hmm. isn't helpful. Right. Right. They may do things that's very self-centered. To call them selfish won't help them emerge. We want to correct this and we want to say these things so that they'll get motivated to do something different. It just doesn't work that way. It tends to handicap them as adults. So really figuring out how to use language that is not shaming, Mm -hmm. that's validating to them, is going to help them emerge as adults and and be much more helpful just in general. And and being able to apply that same concept to yourself yourself. is going to give you um, the ability and the freedom to parent in a better way I would say okay I love that there's one more thing I think it's important because we kind of use in the um, the the resource that you give the word boundaries Uh okay so boundaries it gets used a lot and sometimes it's one of those words like validating that we think we know what it means but maybe it doesn't okay kids still need you to say it's not okay to do this right if you break curfew there's going to be consequences right? You're validating their desire to be with their friends. That makes sense. You're validating their craving for these adventure experiences, Mm -hmm. right? You're validating that they're going to mess up and do the wrong thing and that it's hard to go against their peers and to be the one that has to go home early, right? But you're still reinforcing the boundary. They need to know that boundaries make sense, So they're going to question why their curfew is when it is or why they can't smoke marijuana or why they can't drink even though adults drink. And by the way, teenagers think that they're adults except for the date on their birth certificate. So they think they should be able to do all the things that adults do, right? And they're, they're going to want to know make sense reasons. So you need to know that your boundaries make sense. They're not 
fear-based, but they're based on what is good, loving, and healthy. Right. Because fear-based boundaries won't help them as an adult. It's either going to create an anxious adult that makes decisions out of fear, or they're going to disregard them because if they're not fear-based, these boundaries don't make sense, so I'm going to do whatever it is that I want or that I think. Right. So in your example of curfew, so a fear-based reason would be, I don't want you out late because something might happen, you know, you might get into a wreck and nothing good happens after midnight and that's fear-based. But saying you have a curfew because you need sleep, you're still growing, you have things to do over the weekend. So if it's a Friday night, you know, it's not helpful for you to be tired the whole weekend. Right. So... Those kinds of things are... Right. Yeah. And kids need parents who are consistent but flexible. Right. So if we have willy-nilly curfews, that doesn't make sense to them, and that becomes a meaningless boundary. Right. But if we have a fairly set boundary, but we're willing to make exceptions when exceptions make sense. Right. Right? Now that makes sense and they grow up to be an adult who can live within boundaries because they can see them as helpful and not as rigid or senseless. Right. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Well, and then the one thing that I want parents to walk away from is even though, you know, you download this list, you look at it, you're aware of all these developmentally appropriate things. Be kind to yourself because I promise, like Tammy and I both will will vouch to the fact that you're not going to do this perfectly. You are going to react when you want to respond sometimes. That is okay. It is the overarching idea that you are trying and you're working. And, and even if you fail sometimes, it's the idea that you are trying to gift your kids with right. this mentality. You're trying to gift them with the understanding that these things bring, right? right? And and this is a long process. So you've got lots of opportunities with every single one of these, right. right? And there's no such thing as a perfect parent. Your kid doesn't need you to. But if at different stages, you can drop little nuggets that help them develop into an adult that is an individual that understands who they are, what makes them them different than somebody else, and can see that as beautiful, wonderful, contributing, valuable. So that's all woven into all of these interactions. This isn't just, yeah, yeah, this is all, and this is what I love about it. I think we touched on this a little bit before, and that is, it's going to look different with every child. So you've got this this framework of, okay, I know that this is developmentally appropriate, for my son to be overly self-conscious, here's how I'm going to handle it with them, with him, because I know this about him, because I know, you right. know, all of his traits, all of his qualities, everything. And so being able to pepper in like how great you think they are is super important too. And not like, this isn't all about like fix the kid. This no. is about like, I'm helping you to become just an, an adult. amazing adult. Right. But. And it is a and so it helps you keep this as process focused, not this event focused. Right. It helps you move through this process with them as a guiding force rather than it feeling so adversarial and so confusing and so confrontational all the time. Right. Right. But I think it also is saying uh, like cuz I want to make sure that we're not so focused on the end goal that if they end up 
being adults that are different than what we hope for. Well, I mean, your goal isn't to make them what you want them to be. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, yeah. And yeah. that's why you, you, the, you know, the, 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 the words that are used of a unique individual who they are, what makes them, right. them the, it's not what you think. It may be close to the picture that you have for them, but it could be really far from the picture. Right. Right. And I think it's important to acknowledge that too. Like this isn't about where I want you to be going. It's about helping you emerge, you know, into you, into you. Yeah. I love that. Tammy, thank you so, so, so much. I really, really do appreciate it. I think we could probably clearly talk for hours and hours together. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This is a subject I'm passionate about. You can tell. Good. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, again, thank you so very much, Tammy, for everything that you shared. And I have to tell you all that because this conversation with Tammy was a couple weeks ago, I've had time to really let it sink in and process it and to really use it and integrate it into how I view my teen's behavior in the moment. And believe me, with both of them at home over this past Thanksgiving break, I have had plenty of opportunities to practice. And I have to say it has helped me so much. Now, the biggest thing that it's changed for me is really being able to have some rational thoughts at times when I would normally go into that fight, flight, or freeze brain. You know what I'm talking about, that point where you're feeling kind of attacked maybe by your teens, either with the tone that they're using or the words that they're saying to you or whatever action they're doing. I have to believe that you guys are triggered sometimes by that too, because I know I am quite a bit. And so reframing those actions, those words, that attitude or tone has really given me a new way of communicating with them. It's it's helped me grasp onto that rational, thoughtful um, thinking process that helps me stay calm in the moment so that I can be the grown up in the moment. I can, instead of just reacting to what is kind of perceived as a threat by just the basis part of my brain, I would say, I'm able to stop, take a breath, and then respond to them thoughtfully, carefully, with all the things in mind that Tammy has shared with me, so that I'm helping them move towards being an adult, rather than kind of escalating the situation. So It has just been a game changer for me. Now, I will share that my aha moment with all this information and integrating it and trying to learn from it really happened at a moment with my son over Thanksgiving break. And I wrote about it in my weekly email for this episode. And it involved, and I kid you not, this is literal, it involved putting out a fire. So if you haven't subscribed to that weekly email yet, I would encourage you to sign up ASAP so that you don't miss the exclusive content that I share there. And I don't share it any anywhere else. Okay, thank you so, so much for hanging with me today. I appreciate each and every one of you so very much. I hope your Thanksgiving was wonderful. And if you're like me, it might have been messy and hectic and beautiful, all rolled up into one big ball. And that's what holidays are with family, right? So until next time, just remember from an ish girl who cannot wait to read Cassandra Clare's next book, Queen of Air and Darkness, which is the next book in her Dark Artifices series. And it comes out on December 4th. I'm counting down the days. So just remember, I am so grateful to be in the middle of it together. (laughs) 